The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Welcome again to the Tabernacle. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad uh, that you chose to join us on this day. Uh, a couple of calendar items before uh, we jump right in. Uh, number one is I uh, uh, wanted to let you know that at our office, uh, typically the, the church offices have been closed on a Friday, and starting this week, um, it, they will be closed on Monday. And so from here going on, we're trying to uh, make sure that our staff uh, is practicing what we preach. And part of that means um, taking one day out of every seven for rest. It's real easy uh, when you join a church staff to try to stay in the rhythm of the rest of the world, which is we work Monday through Friday, and then uh, Saturday some of us have to work a little bit, but a little bit of play, and then Sunday is a rest. Well, when you work on a church staff, it's opposite. When everyone else is resting, uh, we're working. And uh, so that means one day a week when you're working, we'll be resting. And so uh, our staff has decided together that that day is best served if it's Mondays. And so I'm asking you, number one, uh, it's informational, but I'm asking you to help hold us to it. So if one of us is like, oh, sure, no problem, let's get together and have a counseling appointment or let's hold that meeting on a Monday, would you help us go, oh, no, 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 that's rest day. That's rest day, because it's really easy to burn out and get out of rhythm. So that's the first calendar thing I wanted to share with you. Secondly, we're super excited because the Wild Game Dinner is coming up on March the 18th, and uh, that's a Saturday night. And some people have looked at me like, are you really canceling the Saturday night church service so we can have the Wild Game Dinner? We're not canceling it. We're just inviting the people that usually come on Saturday night to come on Sunday. So that's just a warning shot to everybody. On that weekend, on the 19th, the services are going to be packed, hopefully. And it's because that wild game dinner, that's going to be awesome. That is a church service. That's an outreach. And there's going to be 400 people in here eating wild game and maybe killing something. I'm not sure. That'll be awesome. And so if you want a ticket for that, too bad. They're sold out. We've been in Romans chapter 10, and uh, we're going to look at just three verses today as part of our series called God Is, where we're looking at the attributes and the character of God and how that 
specifically impacts us. And so what I want to do, we already heard Johnny Cash read it in the NKJV. We'll read it one more time. You can never get enough of God's word. And each translation kind of sheds a little bit of a different light on it for us. And so it says in Romans chapter 10, Paul is writing in this greatest of all letters, starting in verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is anybody excited about that? All right, good. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. The first thing that I think is important for us to understand this week as we look at just these three verses is a profound truth that I've always appreciated about God. And it, it, you know, it doesn't fit kind of, I think, with our thinking because we can say things like God is sovereign. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We can say God is loving, God is gracious, God is just, or God is merciful. But to me, when I read these verses, and for many of us, those are pretty familiar verses, I always think about this, and the fact is that God is a missionary. God is a missionary. Did you know that, that God is a missionary? At the heart of God is a missionary. God is a missionary God. All throughout scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we can track God's heart all the way through scripture, all the way through human history, and that is God has been pursuing mankind. Brief history of the world. We go back to Genesis, God created everything and he called it good. And in the midst of that, in the most beautiful place, he put a garden and he put a man and a woman and some simple instructions. There was no sin, there was no pain, there was no evil, there was no death. And some simple instructions and asked them to obey him. And they violated God's law and they broke it. You know, it's kind of like Christmas morning or given a perfect toy, right? And within two hours, if it wasn't a good one, you broke it already. It's not even the next day after Christmas, right? They broke it. We broke it. Our first parents broke it. And they were separated from God by their guilt and by their shame. And so before they'd sinned, they were naked and unashamed. But after their sin, they were naked and ashamed. And so they're hiding in the bushes. They're sewing fig leaves together to try to cover their guilt and their shame. And there's no wasted words in Scripture. What do we see in Genesis chapter 3? We're not looking there right now. You can go read the whole story later. God came looking for them. Scripture says God called out to them. He called to the man. See, at the heart of God, God is a missionary God. He saw what happened. He knew what happened. He could have very easily have just said, well, I'll start over right there. Well, too bad. They had one chance. They had one job. They couldn't handle that. They broke it. No, this heart of God, which is a God of love, right? He comes pursuing them. He's a missionary God. He comes looking for them. God is a missionary. In verse 13, I know that Pastor Brian did an excellent job, and he actually covered 13 last week in the message, but it sets this message up so well, and it, and it bears repeating the, these words. Everyone who calls 
on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm so jazzed about that. Doesn't matter if you're man or woman. Doesn't matter if you're goody two shoes or you're the worst man in northern Michigan or woman. Married or divorced. Divorced once, divorced twice. Stuff you did in the past, stuff that happened to you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not about you. It's not about your gender. It's not about your race. It's not about your age. It's not about your past. That is a promise. That's a promise worth getting excited about. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's super simple, too. It's calling on the name of the Lord. Not, hey, if you get your life right and if you, if, if you uh, check off all the boxes, if you dot all the I's and cross all the T's, well, maybe you can stay on the team. No, it just says call on the name of the Lord. As Brian talked about last week, it's those who confess their faith in Jesus and they believe in their heart, boom, saved. Isn't that a good news? Man, I could just not preach about the rest of it. I'm just going to hang there until you get a little bit excited. <laughs> Everyone who call, just calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That gives me hope. I don't know how many times I've been talking to someone after the passing of a loved one, and they're like, I, I don't know where they were. They kind of were in church. Were they not in church? And I just give them this. I'm like, you're not the judge. I'm not the judge. I'm not going to tell you where your loved one is, but I do know this. If they called on the name of the Lord just one time, saved. It's not how good you are. That's religious people and they're the worst. It's did you call on the name of Jesus. And we'll be saved. That's huge. This, this missionary God wants to save. We need saving. By the way, if you don't think you need saving, you haven't figured out the gospel yet. And you're probably not saved, right? We need saving. We need saving from ourselves. We need saving from the wreckage and the mistakes, the sin that we can pollute our lives with. And we need saving because when the lights go out for the last time and we slip off into eternity, how do I know where I'll be? There's only two places to go, right? We either spend eternity with God or we spend an eternal death called hell. There's a lot of people... Unfortunately, even some churches, they don't want to talk about hell anymore. Because hell isn't, it's not, hey, let's not talk about that. Let's be positive. I don't want hell to be a motivation for someone to follow Jesus. Has anyone ever heard that before? You ever heard that? I think hell's a great motivation to follow Jesus. I'm sorry. I mean, Jesus talked about it quite often. I don't want to be ashamed that, look, that... That is a choice that someone makes. If you don't choose to follow Jesus, you choose death. You choose the opposite. If you don't choose this joy, you'll choose the opposite. I think hell's a great motivation to follow Jesus. We need saving from that. The hell that we make of life now and the hell that will be our reward for eternity if we don't call upon the name of the Lord. And this missionary God comes looking for us. He came looking for our first parents in the garden. He sent Moses to set people free because this missionary God said they need saving. He sent the prophets in the Old Testament because these people needed to be saved from their sins, right? This missionary God wants us to be saved. We need to be saved. Drowning is a great motivation to learn to swim, isn't it? You know what? I'm not going to learn to swim. You're going to drown. 
We need saving. And this missionary God wants to save us. The heart of God is that he's a missionary. He's not a far-off God that's disinterested. He pursues us. It says in Revelation chapter 7 that, that the, the everyone that he pursues, it says that one day every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be represented before the great white throne of God because God's a missionary. God's a missionary. Here's the second thing I think it's important for us that we get out of this passage, and that's this, is that God uses missionaries. God uses missionaries. It's pretty profound in verses uh, 14 and 15. It says, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Well, who are the they? They're talking about people that need saving, people far from God. In fact, right now, hopefully, well, I'll just ask you, think about someone who's far from God, that doesn't know God, that's never called on the name of the Lord Jesus, who needs to be saved. The writer here says, how can they call on him unless someone tells them? So when I say that God is a missionary God, God pursued our first parents, but we see all throughout scripture that God sent other people on his mission. What do you think of when I say missionary? What do you think of? So, I grew up in a missionary's home, as many of you have heard. And I'm, I apologize, I'm getting to that age where I repeat my stories. You know that? There's some silver hairs in here. You've told me the same story every other week for the last five years. All right? That's all right, I love you. And you know what else? I'm starting to do the same thing. All right? So my father was a missionary. My father's my hero, one of my heroes. One of my favorite pictures that actually sits in my office, it's an 8 by 10 growing up in a missionary's home, is this picture of my father preaching. Uh, this is, uh, he's in, I want to say mid-30s, late-30s. This is Ansagale on Lagonav in Haiti, right? And I asked him this week, I said, hey, Dad, can you send me that picture in digital form? I want to show it in church. And he's like, oh, don't show that picture. I was like, that's my favorite picture. That picture says so much, doesn't it? Right? You see that it's a different culture. You can see that it's a tropical culture. You can see the black faces, and you can see the white dude with the tie and a Bible, right? And it's an open-air meeting, and it's like, yeah, that's what a missionary is. And I love that picture because it says so much. I want to tell you what's going on right, right there. My father is pre- There's a quite large crowd that is not in the shot, and it was an open-air evangelistic meeting, and they'd asked him to preach. And he's thinking in English... He's reading from a French Bible, and he's preaching in Haitian Creole. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. That's a missionary right there. You know what that is right there? That's varsity. That's varsity Christian, isn't it? Right? And growing up, even though I was in the missionary family, like I was aware that my dad was varsity. And I, 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 I was related to varsity, but I wasn't varsity. 
I mean, I could speak Creole. I struggled with the French thing. I had to learn that in school. But dad was varsity. And then I would travel with dad, you know, when we were back in the States and we'd visit all these churches and people told my dad that he was varsity. And when we came to the church service, it was like, oh, it's missionary Sunday. They had to have a special Sunday because, you know, you got to raise money to send uh, these vermilias back down to the tropics to tell those wild Haitian pagans about Jesus and their varsity, right? Uh, come on, it's true. And you grew up, if you grew up in church, you grew up thinking the same thing. Well, I just work at Menards. You know, up there at Chum's Corners. He's down there thinking in one language and talking in two other ones, you know. And they would introduce us. Here's Jim and Jeanette and Joan, Joy, John, Jimmy and Joey. And they used to serve Jesus in Jamaica. <laughs> All right. And they're going to come sing for us in different languages and wear shirts from other cultures. And then there's trinkets in the... Lobby and I mean, didn't we in church when we said missionary, you're like some exotic person that's varsity. And it's true. I mean, we see throughout scripture, God sent men like my father, you know, to go tell people about Jesus. How can they call on some or how can they call on him if no one ever tells them? Someone's got to tell them. God uses missionaries. He's not always the one speaking or having the burning bush or talking to men and women in the Garden of Eden. God uses human beings as missionaries. God also sends missionaries. He sends them. Now, there's something else before we get into that that I I want you to notice. And that is that there is implied in here that that there's a process by which someone calls on the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you caught that when I read the scripture, so I'll repeat it. It says, how can they, someone far from God, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard? And how can they hear unless someone tells? And then it goes on in 15 to say, and how will anyone go and tell without being sent? So we see that there's a process here by which a missionary, varsity, goes to the far off reaches of the universe and tells people about Jesus. Someone's got to send them. And in the sending, there's training and there's mobilizing. And someone's got to teach them French. And we got to raise some money. So someone's got to work at Menards and make some money, give it to the missionary so he can buy a plane ticket and go be varsity, right? So there's a sending process and, and then there's a going process and someone might have to fly the plane and, or, or drive the boat or, or do whatever to get them there. And then even in the person who's calling, there's a process, right? They're going to, someone's going to tell them, they got to hear it. And then somewhere in there, there's a step where they decide to believe. And if they believe, then they'll call. I want to tell you something. God sends missionaries for every different part of the process, doesn't he? Think about your own journey. How did you become a Christian? Did it happen all at once? Had a burning bush? Well, I believe. There we go. Boom. Done. Or did God send missionaries like dominoes in your life to be a part of a process? God sends missionaries. Greatest missionary who ever lived 
was Jesus. How many times have we said here that our missionary God that uses missionaries sent Jesus on a mission, didn't he? God sent Jesus on a mission. And Jesus took the baton and he ran the race. I think I counted over 50 times in the Gospels. Does Jesus say, I have been sent or as the Father has sent me or I was sent here to do this. God sends missionaries and Jesus knew it. That's why he was constantly telling people in his preaching, in his conversations, I have been sent. Sent by who? Sent by the missionary God. God is a missionary. He uses missionaries. He sent Jesus on a mission. In fact, in John chapter 17, as as Jesus' mission was winding down after the miracles and the teaching and the feeding of the 5,000 and raising people from the dead, the night before he was to go to the cross to accomplish the last part of his mission, his death, burial, and resurrection, he said to his disciples, he said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Now they tell us in uh, preaching and speaking school to never, you know, especially in 2017 with Snowflake Generation, to never point and never say you. Well, I'm sorry, that's a different church. John chapter 17, as he sent me, I'm sending you. That's what he says. God sends missionaries. He sent Jesus, and then Jesus sent the disciples. He repeated it again in Matthew chapter 28. How many times do we repeat this scripture? After his death, his burial, his resurrection, the last thing before he ascends into heaven, I'd like to see that trick, right? In verse 19 of Matthew 28, he tells them, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Go, 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 make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is a missionary. God uses missionaries. God sends missionaries. He sent Jesus and Jesus sends me. And he sends you. He sends us. He said it again in Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, when he told them that, you know, to go to Jerusalem. He, he, this is the promised Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God just doesn't send missionaries one place. Like Haiti, he sends them everywhere. So what did he mean when he says like, Okay, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. That's a missionary. You're going to go tell about me. And these are the places that you're going to do that. You're going to do it in Jerusalem. You're going to do it in Judea. You're going to do it in Samaria. And a lot of us, we get caught up in that. Well, what was that, figurative or what that was literal? Well, those were real places. But if you take what he said in Acts and you also look at what he said as recorded in Matthew 28, you get the picture. He wants missionaries everywhere. You see, the problem of our image of missionary is missionary is for a long, far-off place. It's some exotic location. 
It's for a place like Haiti or Africa. Or if you're really hip with the kids, now we're sending missionaries to Europe. Sign up for that. But how does your buddy at school call on the name of the Lord? How does your friend at work call on the name of the Lord? How does your neighbor that's far from God, because you can hear it every night, the yelling, how do they call on the name of the Lord? How do the people that you care about, that you interact in this small northern Michigan community and all the communities that are represented here, how do those that are far from God call on the name of the Lord? They're not in that exotic location. Aren't they part of the ends of the earth? God sends missionaries to be a part of this process. Guys, I'm talking about the DNA of why this church has grown the way it has in the last 10 years. Because God has been sending men and women and students, me and you. And he's been sending us all over the world. Starting with our world, the land of ice and snow. You see, this is what I'm driving at. If God is a missionary, and he uses missionaries, and he sends missionaries, and if all of these words that Jesus is talking about, as he sent me, I send you. He said that to a room full of disciples. There were men and women in there. Not just 12 guys, as Leonardo put it in a painting. When he said it to his disciples again in Matthew 28, when it's recorded again in Acts chapter 1, after his resurrection, this is the point. You are a missionary. There is no junior varsity. There's no junior varsity. There's no, well, you know, there's the big shots. And and I, I mean no dishonor to my father. He would, he wants me to say this. He doesn't think what he did is that big of a deal. He understands in God's economy, God's a missionary and he's multiplying missionaries and every time someone calls on the name of the Lord, we get redeemed, we are saved and we are caught up in his mission. One of the greatest preachers of all time, Charles Spurgeon said this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. It's not whether or not you're varsity, you're varsity. It's a question of whether or not you're going to get in the game. Are you just going to stand in the corner and run the clock out? Punch a clock. And at our church, we talk a lot about being a domino because missionary can look different. Varsity isn't just the people who talk, praise God. Varsity is the people who send Varsity is the people that build relationships. Varsity is the people that are the hands and the feet of Jesus that care. Varsity is those that bind the wounds, physical or emotional. Varsity can be a child. You know, I was asking my father this week. I was like, so dad, tell me about that story. 
Tell me about your call. Can we put his picture up there one more time, Bryson? Because that's our image. And I said, Dad, how, do, how, did, you, how did you receive your call? Because first he served in Jamaica and then Haiti. You know what he told me? 1953, nine years old. He was in a kid's program. Just like, just like tab kids. Oh, that's child care. Really? Because when my dad was nine years old, they explained to him the Great Commission. And he heard the general call of God. That there are people far off that don't know about Jesus. And he said it was nine years old. He told his Sunday school teacher, I'm going to be a missionary doctor. He told me I got the doctor part wrong. My math and science grades didn't hold up. But he's nine years old. And they wrote it up and printed his letter of that, that was his intention. And, you know, and he grew up in Columbus, Ohio and, and, you know, just then did life like everybody else. Kind of forgot about it. And he went to study to become a pastor when he was 24 years old. And he's a pastor, his very first pastorate. He got this newsletter that said, we need someone that has your skills to teach the Bible in Jamaica. Oh, I remember that. There's a general call. That's something I could do. Okay, I'll go. What? Where's the burning bush? Where's the bright, shining light? Where did you go in the mountains and stand bare-chested in a river until the heavens parted and doves came down and a wild boar spoke? I don't know. I was trying to make it Michigan. None of that. When he was nine, he said, I'll, I'll go if he sends me. When he was 24, oh, there's a specific thing that I can do. Okay, I'll do it. That's the call. And I don't know how many countless thousands of people were impacted because of that. Well, that, that sheds light on how important what's going on with Tab Kids does on a Sunday, doesn't it? Or with our student ministry on Wednesday night, doesn't it? You are a missionary. Sometimes the children believe it before their parents do. There's no junior varsity. There's a general call that you've heard of. And I've watched so many people at the tabernacle step up to the specific call to be a missionary. I'm running out of room in this limited brain for all the stories, and I love it. I love it. I mean, it used to be, you know, uh, the, you know, the conversations after church or between the services kind of went in one direction, and that's great. But more and more and more, almost half of all the conversations I have, someone will come up and say, I got to tell you a story. You're going to like this, right? And then they tell me this unbelievable domino story where they stepped up and met a specific need, and most times they're like, I don't know what God's going to do with that, but it was awesome. Let me give you just a couple examples. I was at Fight Club on Thursday night. I had three different guys share stories like this. First guy comes in and, and he's like, you're never going to believe this. I had an opportunity uh, and, and, and you're going to be so proud of me, right? So we sat right here. You know who you are. I'm looking at you. Sorry, I'll look over here so they don't know who you're talking about. 
sat right here and he said, you know, I was on a job and I got in a conversation and, and it kind of went on a spiritual direction. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you know, I'm talking about church and then they're like, well, what church do you go to? And I'm inviting them to this church. Were you expecting something bigger? That's varsity. He invited them to church. In fact, he even said it, my buddy, he's like, uh, and you know me, you know, man, I'm just so blessed the way God has brought me and the people that invited me here and my wife and we just love it and, and now I'm in Fight Club and what in the world? Five years ago, I lived downstate and I didn't have anything to do with this and, and now look at me, I'm inviting people to church. Guess what? Congratulations, varsity. He knows about the general call, he saw a specific need and he said, yep, I can do that. That's varsity. I had another guy come up, and, and, and he was talking about, oh, you're never going to believe what happened. You know how terrible my ex-wife is, right? That's a classic conversation, isn't it? <laughs> He's like, I had an opportunity this week to show love and grace to her as we were doing the kid swap. And she was terrible. She was the worst. Wouldn't even let me get in the door to hug my kids goodbye and this and that and the other. And then they forgot something, and then it's like, oh, I have to go back. And she, doesn't even, she can't even stay in the sight of me, and, and now I've got... Christ in my life and, and God's redeeming things, but you know, I just knew that I had to raise my gaze. I had to raise my gaze. So I went back and said, I'm sorry, our daughter forgot this thing, and I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and I want you to have a great day. Well, whatever. Varsity. Varsity. How is she going to ever believe the change in his life unless she sees it? Varsity. How will she ever call on the name of the Lord unless she believes that it's real? And if she can believe it in her ex, she can believe it. Domino story after domino story. This is what we mean is when people believe the general call that God is a missionary and he's using missionaries and he's sending missionaries and there is no junior varsity. We're all called to it. We're just called to it in different ways. And this is the beautiful thing. How many times have we said this? Is your call might look different from their call. And your call might look different from her call. God loves to be creative in how he uses and sends missionaries. Chances are he's going to use something that you love. One of the reasons I'm fired up about the wild game dinner is because there, there is a team of men and women from our church that are dominoes that have chosen to be varsity and everything about the night is designed to reach people far from God. They are missionaries. And our speaker's gonna be a missionary. And those that park people are gonna be missionaries. The guys outside this morning wearing the yellow jackets are missionaries. The men and women teaching our children, they're missionaries. God is using them. He has sent them. They believe it. The problem is some of us just don't believe it yet. We don't believe it. We're like, no, not me. We still think that that's varsity. You are a missionary. If you're a Christian, that's what we're called to. So you may have noticed that I'm not wearing shoes. If you're new here, I normally wear shoes. In fact, every other time you come here, I'll be in shoes. And I also realize that some of you are really disgusted that I'm not wearing shoes. When my wife gets here for the next service, she'll rebuke me for this. Do you know that feet 
carry 100 different types of fungi. Feet are in constant contact with the ground, and so no matter how we try to pedicure feet and paint up feet and cover them with expensive shoes, feet are gross. You might be one of those 1% of people that love feet. You're weird. There's counseling for that. No, you're not. You're fine. But feet are gross. In most cultures, they're, they're disgusting. You know, I remember being in parts of Southeast Asia that to show someone the bottom of your foot, yeah, I just flipped you off. In their country, right? That's disgusting. No feet, all right? But this passage ended talking about those who believe that they're missionaries, those people that participate in this process. It says, how beautiful are their feet. It takes the most dishonorable, dirty, kind of disgusting parts of our body. And it says that when you participate in this process, whether it's sending or mobilizing or training or inviting or loving or sharing or, or just being a changed life and being outspoken about it or preaching or sing, whatever it is in the millions of different ways that you can be a missionary. It says, when you participate in that, Scripture says, how beautiful are your feet. How beautiful are the most disgusting parts of you. That's honor. That's honor. You know, there's so many beautiful sets of feet in this room. There's so many beautiful sets of feet that invited, that told, that discipled, that shared, that loved, that cared to get us where we are, right? I'm thinking about my youth pastor right now. How beautiful are his feet. I, I think if I see him, he works in Traverse City. If I see him this week, I might walk up to him and just go, hey, pal, nice feet. <laughs> what if we did that out of this service? The person or persons, if you run into him even today on your way out, People that first invited you so you could call on the name of the Lord? What if you were to just bless them and honor them and say, hey, nice feet. Feet are beautiful. Thank you. See, that shows honor. But more importantly, in fact, would you look at your feet right now? Look at your feet. No, you're still looking at me. Look at your feet. Come on, play along just once. Look at your feet. You don't like your feet too big, too small, flat foot, big arch, whatever. I'm not going to make you take your shoes off. But your feet, our feet, do you know that everywhere you go is a mission field? Wherever these feet go is a mission field. What does it say, Matthew 28? Jesus said, I will be with you wherever you go. See, some of us, we don't want to buy into that you're a missionary, you know, these instructions from the missionary God because we feel poor, we feel powerless, we feel like there's no way God can use me. He said he would be with you wherever you go. Wherever these feet tread, where I go, God goes. I'm not powerless. As we close, the band's going to come and we're going to sing a song. And it's got a dual meaning for us this morning. And the dual meaning is this. It's called All the Poor and Powerless. And typically when I hear that song or sing that song, I think about all the people that are far from God that are desperate in need of his love and his grace and his mercy to just come crashing in and change their lives. 
But you know what? I feel pretty powerless too. Because my feet, I think, are gross. And my stuttering tongue and my, and my brokenness and my messed up personality. I know I'm not everybody's best friend and I can rub people the wrong way. But you know what? In those moments where I feel poor and powerless, God still shows up for me as a missionary. And he'll show up for you as a missionary. And as we as a church, as we continue to try to be faithful to what God has called us to, the missionary God who uses us and sends us and says, you are a missionary. I believe as we are faithful to that, all of us, God's going to continue to bless and use and grow this crazy little Fort God church in the land of misfit toys. So do you believe that? That you're a missionary? If you're a Christian, you've been commissioned and you've been called. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, I know that there's probably people here today that don't know you, and God, I pray that they would call to you, that they would believe that you're a missionary God that pursues them. God, there's far more of us that call ourselves Christians, and we feel like we're powerless, that we're not varsity. God, I pray that that reality would come true for us today, that you've commissioned men and women, students, teenagers, children, to go and tell, to participate in that process. God, would you help us to see those domino stories so that we can believe that you've handed us the baton of your great mission. God, I believe when we stop seeing that, we we start dying individually as Christians. Our faith turns Hard as a rock, it turns hard as stones. Our hearts become hardened. God, I believe there's people here today that have been waiting to hear from you and and it's quite possibly because they've never participated as a missionary. Would Would you give them courage today? Would you let them know that your power is with them? They're not poor, they're not powerless. That what they have to contribute matters. And God, as a church, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to that call. And most importantly, God, I thank you for the greatest missionary, Jesus. He's the only star on this team. I thank you for his beautiful feet, the ones that were pierced for us. Help us to remember that. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen.